There's the biggest bug. No, I didn't have the heart. I think he's suffering already. I mean, he's like, this. seriously, he's this long. No. What if he's not saved? I mean, he is in church, you know. He's like rolling. Oh, never mind. I, I don't think he's going to make it. <laughs> we should break into a course of there's room at the cross for you. I don't know. Um, you know, can, can, can I tell you a Debbie Downer story? Oh, I need to. I, I just need to. You know, because there's a purpose for me telling you this story. Are you going to get the bug? Don't kill it now. Just take it outside. Wasn't it a big bug? I wasn't kidding. I was watching him while he was singing the song. Is that, that is a cockroach? That's a South Georgia cockroach. We ride those things down south. We get on their backs and go with it. But anyway, um, so there's a double Debbie Downer story. So about, I guess it's been, I don't know if it's three years or two years ago, um, we went on vacation. Some of you know part of this story. And uh, we left our dog with someone. And we no more left town and the dog got ran over and killed. And we didn't know that. They kept it from us um, all week long. And so finally we decided to go home a day early. And so Rebecca said, are you definitely leaving tomorrow? I said, yeah. And she said, well, there's something I need to tell you. And that, that's sassy. And we love, I love that dog. Like, I'm telling you, if you're not a dog lover, you don't understand. I don't expect you to understand. But it, I really just broke my heart. It just broke my heart. And so um, we drove home Friday, you know, knowing what we had to face. And someone was kind enough to bury it there in the yard and uh, bury her in the yard. And so we did that. And we were just, I mean, it was hard, guys. It's it like losing a child almost. I know it's not, but you understand what I'm trying to say. So anyway, so we woke up the next morning. And it was church and, you know, and I'm just, I'm just emotionally devastated. And I'm driving to church, and this is why I'm telling you the story, not just to make you depressed. Um, and on the radio, coming to church, was that song, Earth Has No Sorrows That Heaven Can't Heal. And God just used that so much to minister to my heart. So, then we get to church, I get to church, and I open the door, and the praise team is singing, Earth Has No Sorrows That Heaven Can't Heal. And it really just spoke to my heart. And here's, the, here's why I'm, t- I'm still, you're saying, well, why are you telling me this? I'm telling you this because when you lose a puppy dog, it matters to God. That's a good place for someone to say amen. You have a God who really cares. I mean, the, the most insignificant thing to others, if it's significant to you, God cares. God cares. And when every, time, every time I hear that song, I'm reminded of that day and how faithful God was to my broken heart. And I can look you in the eye tonight and tell you that when your broken heart comes, your God will be faithful. No matter what it might be, it's what I was saying this morning, whether it's a lost job or, or a marriage gone south, or whether it's an illness or a bad report from the doctor, or a loss of a loved one, whatever it is, you need to know that your God is going to be faithful. And by the way, you learn that stuff in the book. You learn that stuff in the book. So we, what we're going to do tonight is a hybrid of a little bit from this morning that we had left over that we didn't get to and what I'd already had planned, which was about the Word of God. Um, 
Let's say you're one of the chosen few who actually do have a quiet time every day. And you get up in the morning, if it's in the morning or at night before you go to bed, wherever it is, okay? And you have your quiet time, and you do your quiet time. Why do you do that quiet time? Do you do, you do the quiet time for, for informational, ritual purposes, or do you do it for transformational purposes? Because it's not, listen, it's not enough just to read the Word of God. You do have to let the Word of God get in you, okay? And to do that, you really got to get into the Word of God. You'll hear something like that in the message um, tonight. Now, along with that same thought, Saturday morning, again, I told you I get several emails, and one or uh, devotional emails, and one of the one I do, of all things, and don't laugh, okay, is from, from Proverbs 31 Ministries, which is a, a woman's ministry, um, but they do a little thing called First Five. And so a while back, I got into doing First Five and, and you know, reading their devotional thoughts. And on Saturdays, they do a, a 15-minute video. A couple of ladies sit down, and they talk about uh, what, what they talked about that week. And they're going through the books of the Bible, and they're in Zechariah. Okay, they do a chapter a day, and, you know, just kind of an overview, and then they're in Zechariah. And, and she, she brought out something that was really important that ties in, do we read the Bible for information or for transformation, okay? And it, it, actually, God brings it up, okay? Now, it's in Zach, don't turn there, because we're not, this is not what we're preaching. Um, whoops, boy, I shouldn't have done that. I closed the Bible. I, I, went, I went to the wrong place. Hang on, just give me a second. Oh, oh here, look, here it is. How about that? Okay, so it's Zechariah, you don't need to turn there. Zechariah 7, God asks a very important question. Are you ready? Wait for it. It'll get old in just a day, don't worry. Okay, here's what God says. Um, He starts in verse number 5 and says, well, let's start in verse 4. Then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me, saying, came to Zechariah, the prophet, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me, for me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? So God was saying, very clearly actually, he doesn't hardly have an explanation, God was saying, when you did those fasting all those months, okay, were you doing it for yourselves or are you really doing it for me? And you can guess where I'm going right now. When we do our thing with God's Word or quiet time, and really it's much bigger than that. When we do our church experience in the, during the week or at the end of the week or in the middle of the week, when we do those things, God would probably ask a probing question and say, why are you doing that? Are you doing it for yourselves or are you doing it for me? And of course, the answer we want to hear is, uh, we should be able to answer is, is that God, we're doing it for you. Our worship, our, our the, what, the study of the word, whether weekly or daily, God, we do this all for you. Why do you do what you do? God, we do it for you. 
So with that kind of a thought leading in, it really helps us understand why our perspective of the Bible is so important. So what I want to do tonight is, is something I love to do. I love to pick a certain topic, okay, and then fill it in with scriptures. And in this particular case, I've got about, I guess there's like five or six things. I don't know how many there really are. And um, I, I want to say, you know, this is what the Bible says. You know, if you're to say, what is the Bible? What is the Bible? Okay, then these are some things, and it gives answers to those questions. So we're going to start out in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21. So, if I were to say, well, what is the Bible? Well, the Bible is... Now, listen, you have to... With the air going. The Bible is His. As in, not ours. The Bible is His. As in, not ours. Second Peter one twenty one. Here's what Peter writes. And this is... By the way, this is only true of the Bible. This is only true of the Bible. For no prophecy was ever produced... By the will of man. So what he's saying is, when you see this book, okay, none of this book, how much? None. None of this book was produced by the will of man. It's all, I wrote down and said, this is not a man book. This is a God book. This is not a man book. This is a God book. So he says... Peter says that no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. And again, there are other sacred writings that have got man all over them. Chief among them, of course, is one, the Book of Mormon, has, has Joseph Smith's hand all over it. Um, some would argue, I would not, that the book of, uh, excuse me, the Koran is a man book. Certainly not a God book. It's a man book. It's the writings of the prophet Muhammad. All right? So it's not a God book of any sorts. In fact, it's, it's an anti-God book. Um, but, but it is is, again, the work of man. Well, we want to be sure we understand when it comes to the Bible, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. What happened, Dwayne? Well, but men spoke from God. Men spoke from God. And I love this verbiage. This is from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. Uh, but, uh, I'm sorry. But men spoke from God as they were carried along. I love that. Carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this is not a man book. It is a God book. And it is worthy of our reading and of our study and our ingestation into it to our bodies. Would you say amen to that? It's very, listen, again, I can't say it enough. If you don't get daily time or at least three or four times a week into the Word of God and not a casual reading, but a studying of the Word of God, you need to do that. You need to know. How in the world can we know God and know what God expects from us if we don't get into his book and find out? You can't depend on a guy standing up. If you go to church three times a week, you can't depend on a guy standing up three times a week and teaching you and that being enough. You just need to get into the word of God. Now, Paul writes in 2 Timothy 2.15, and I'll use this word just a moment ago, and I'll use it again. In fact, um, this is the King James Version. So I love this because this is one I grew up on, okay? Um, I, I wanted to make sure, I, I love the verbiage of this. Here's what he says it to young Timothy. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God. So when you come into the Word of God, study. Someone say, study with me. Study, okay? It's work. It's work. I wrote down, work the Word so the Word can work. 
Work the Word so the Word can work. Make yourself a student of the Bible. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not being ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. In other words, handle the word of God carefully. Care. Yes. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm old school. Okay? So, so if, if this is on the coffee table, I would not lay a magazine on top of it. I'm old school. If this is on the end table, I would never set a cup of coffee on this. Okay? Respect the word of God. Okay, but that's not what I think the Word of God is saying here. That's not saying what it's saying at all. We should respect the Word of God. When he says rightly dividing the Word of truth, we are to handle the Word of God carefully and correctly. And we do that by making sure, by studying the Word of God, we get the intent of what God meant the Bible to say. We are experts. We are experts of coming along and we'll take some verse totally out of context and say, well, you know, the Bible says... We'll, we'll take an a, a obscure verse somewhere in the Old Testament law and drag it up into the age of grace where it does not belong and, or a promise that was made to Moses and we try to bring it to our lives. That is not correctly obeying the Word of God. More and more as I've grown a little bit older and hopefully more careful, I really will try to get word, let you know what the context is. So if I'm going to bring a message and there's a truth there, I'm going to say, now the real context of this is we need to rightly handle the Word of God. It expects that, it demands that, and it deserves that. Amen? Okay. Amen? Now, I need your help tonight. I'll let you know that you're getting this, all right? So, so it's His book. It's His book, okay? No prophecy was, was ever produced by the will of man. It's not a man book. It's a God book, okay? And then we should study this book intently um, for the purpose so we can be a workman that needeth not be ashamed, and we're going to rightly divide or rightly uh, study the Word of God. So the Word of God is His. Okay, secondly, the Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. We have one scripture from the very mouth of Jesus, okay? And then we have one from the prophet Isaiah. So we have one from the uh, New Testament, and we have one from the Old Testament. They both say essentially the same thing. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, Matthew 24, verse 35, remember the topic is, the Bible is eternal. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will not pass away. Jesus speaking. The prophet Isaiah puts it this way in 40, uh, chapter 40, verse 8, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. The word of God is eternal. Can I have an amen there? All right. Now, let me tell you what that means. Among other things, there's, there's been a discussion recently about is church still relevant? You know, and yes, it is, by the way, but that's some of the discussion that's going on in the world that we live in. Um, I, I don't suppose in Christian circles, in Christian circles, in Christian circles, that there's not much debate. There is, there is a lot of debate about is the Bible really infallible? Is it without error? You remember back in, in again, 1980s, Southern Baptists, we were in trouble. I don't know if you even know this or not. 
Our seminaries were teaching. They didn't believe in the virgin birth. They didn't believe the inspired word of God. We were as liberal as you could be. And then, then some leaders rose up and did what they did, the conservative resurgence, and brought us back to where we needed to be on center with what the Word of God teaches. Aren't you glad they did? Amen? But, but I, there, I don't think there's any circles where, uh, in Christian circles, where there's much discounting of this. But, but you need to know this. The Bible will never be out of date. The Bible will never be out of date. And, and the Bible will never be obsolete. The Bible will never be obsolete. This world can go on another thousand years, okay? And this book will still be as relevant to, uh, then as it is today. And it's as relevant today as the day it was written. It just is. It just is. The Word of God is eternal. The Word of God is eternal. It will never change. It will never grow obsolete. Not only that... But the Word of God is trustworthy. Is trustworthy. Um, Psalm 19, and we're going to grab several verses from there. Uh, Psalm 119 and Psalm 19. If you've not read those a lot, you need to read those. They're all about the Word of God. And we're going to grab a couple. We're going to snatch a couple of verses from 19. I think one from 119. But that would be a good thing for you to look at concerning the Word of God. Um, the psalmist has a beautiful uh, essay on, on the Word of God. It's very beautiful, all right? But in Psalm 19, verse 7, thinking again, the topic is the, the Bible is trustworthy. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Yep. Renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. In other words, listen, listen, you can trust the Bible. Flat out, you can trust the Bible. Okay? You can't trust politicians. Frankly, you can't trust a lot of preachers. You can't trust a lot of people. But you can trust God, and you can trust the Word of God. It is trustworthy. And the reason why you can trust it is, the reason it's trustworthy is because it is truth. It is truth. That's why. Now, we believe... We believe that the Bible is truth without any mixture of error. Okay? Truth without any mixture of error. In John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them, speaking about believers, set apart them, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So this book does not have any error. Now, look at me again. If you're wired to be one of those people that you've got to investigate and have an answer to every question, every intellectual question, you're going to have issues. Because sometimes faith does not give us all the intellectual answers we need. Now, just like I said this morning, Billy Graham had to come to a point in his life and deal with this issue. All right, when his friend came up and said, I no longer believe in the inspired word of God, I no longer believe it's, it's truth about a mixture of error, it really devastated him, and he had to go, listen, listen, he had to go fight that battle. Now, if this is a battle you need to fight, then you need to fight it. You've got, you have, now listen, I don't mean superficially. I don't mean this, well, do lip service, you know, and say, well, I believe the Bible's truth. I'm talking about when your child dies, when you lose your job and there's no money in the checking account, no matter what, you've got to believe the Word of God. 
And you've got to win that battle personally in your life. I, can't, I've, I have said it, and I pray that I mean it, that if they found the body of Jesus tomorrow somewhere and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, sorry, I'm still going to believe the Word of God. I'm still going to believe the Word of God. So you're going to have to come and fight this battle on your own, and you're going to have to do what Billy Graham did. You're going to have to put that Word of God on a stump somewhere and say, God, listen, I don't understand everything, but by faith, I believe this is your inspired Word. And, and when, I, when I don't have answers to my intellectual questions and doubts, by faith, I will believe that this is your inspired word. You're going to have to fight that battle and nail that thing down. Until you do, Satan will use that against you. Satan is going to use that against you. He will whisper in your ear that this is a book of lies and fairy tales and contradictions. And it is neither of those. It is truth. It is true. Chuck Colson, you remember him from the 70s, uh, radically saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, says the Bible's power rests upon the fact that it is reliable, errorless, and infallible, the Word of God. Let me read it again. The Bible's power rests upon the fact that it is the reliable, errorless, infallible Word of God. Nail that down in your life. Nail it down. Don't, don't, you, don't you leave a, a foot open in the door. Don't you leave a crack in the door. Don't leave the door unlocked. Man, you lock the door. Put the dead bolt on. Don't give chance a chance for Satan. Get a foothold in that. You just, and just say, Dwayne, how do you do that? By faith. We are a people. We are a people of faith. We don't have all the answers. And we will never have all the answers. Well, we will one day in a place called heaven. But this side of heaven, we will not have those answers. So we believe that the Bible is truth without any mixture of error. It is infallible. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. The words of Jesus Christ. Now, in Numbers 23, 19, there's an interesting verse there that really just puts a different spin on this. Here's what it says. God is not a man that he might lie. So is God, is God going to lie? Nope, sure not. God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? And the answer to both those questions is no. D.L. Moody said, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. God never made a promise that was too good to be true. So, God is not a man that he might lie or a son of man that he might change his mind. Does he speak and act not? No. Does he promise and not fulfill? And the answer is no. God's word is truth. You can trust it. You must trust it. All right? The next thing is the Bible is powerful. The Bible is powerful. We find this truth in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12 where it says, For the word of God, the word of God. Now this is, we're going to pause here just a moment. The Word of God is living and active. Now, let me tell you something you need to know. That is, you can read read the Bible through as many times as you want. If God lets you live to be 100, would that be good? Okay, we'll make it, Kathy, we'll make it 100, okay? Let it be 100, and you spend hours and hours and hours each day studying the Word of God, okay? You would never know it all. You know why? It's living. It's living. With the, with the participation of the Holy Spirit, as we study the Word of God, the, the Holy Spirit reveals new truths. 
from the Word of God. Now, not new truth. You know, beware of these guys say, I got a fresh word from God. Honey, you got His Word. It is as fresh as yesterday's print, but it's called the Bible. But the Holy Spirit, have, have you not, have you ever been reading the Bible and you've read the Bible through three years in a row and you're reading a verse and all of a sudden it explodes off the page and you go, oh my goodness, I never saw that before. You know what that is? That's the living Word of God enlightened by the Holy Spirit. It's the living Word of God enlightened by the Holy Spirit. So don't think, Marcia, don't think you're going to get bored with the Bible. Don't think you're going to get bored with the Bible. The Bible's many things, but boring is not one of them. Now, I have to admit, you get somewhere the bagats, and sometimes you wonder about that. But even that there is for, that there. That is there for a purpose. All right? That there, that there is there for a purpose, folks. That's what, it, that's what that is. All right? All right, very good. So it's powerful. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And, of course, me being a Star Wars guy, by the way, I saw Solo, David. And uh, tell about that lightsaber, how powerful that was. This is a powerful, powerful weapon. Piercing to the vision of soul and spirit of joints, of marrow, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. This is a, listen, listen, this is a precision weapon. It's a precision weapon. Powerful weapon. I love where it says, you know, discerning between the spirit and joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 19, another one of those verses from Psalm 19, says this. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my, my rock and my redeemer. How powerful is that? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. The word is the answer to that prayer. The word is the answer to that prayer. When he says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, how is that possible? By the word of God. By the word of God. He, through my rock and my redeemer, all right, so the Bible, the Bible is powerful. It's a precision weapon that will speak directly into your heart. Not only that, the Bible is purposeful. It is purposeful. Again, wonderful scripture, wonderful scripture. Isaiah 55, 11. Isaiah 55, 11. Now, I want to point some out to you as I go here, all right? So shall my word, now whose word? Yeah, remember the very first point? The Bible is his. The Bible is His. He calls the shots with the Word. So shall my Word be that goes out of my mouth. So my Word, my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. Isn't that a powerful statement? It shall not return. This is God speaking. It shall not return to me empty. Empty, and you're going. Somebody up here going. Wait a minute, Dwayne. I, I did this Bible thing, and it. You know what? I, I did this and claimed that promise, and God didn't come through, and that's why I've been mad at God forever. Uh, I, this is the first time I've been back in church in ten years. And I'm just here on a gamble. All right. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's read it one more time. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but, but, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. So, so, so. Whose purpose? See, we got this all twisted. We get all fired up, mad at God, because God didn't do what you wanted Him to do. Well, guess who's God and guess who's not? You aren't God. 
It's His purpose that matters. It's His Word, and He's going to accomplish His purpose in His child. You better learn to like that. If not, you're going to be a very disappointed believer in Jesus Christ. It is, come on, is it true? It is His. It is His. You know, I read this to you one time before. This is the uh, Westminster Catechism from 1647. And I don't like dead people stuff, but this is good. The chief end of man. Remember, I'm going to accomplish my purpose. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And all we can say is, Amen, that's right. How do we learn how to do that? The Word. The Word. You understand why we're stumbling around like we're blind men? Because we don't know this. And this thing is so hugely, hugely um, important. It really is. So, so he goes on and says then, you know, um, it will accomplish the purpose that I have and, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So God is going to, with his word, he said, my word will not come back empty. Okay? I'm going to fulfill my purpose and it will succeed not in what you want it to do but what God wants it to do. Okay? Huge, listen, I'm telling you, trying to save you some grief. Trying to save you some grief. Trying to save you some hard time mad at God. All right? Understand, God is God. He's got a purpose. You can trust Him. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, of whom there's no verilness or shadow of turning. All right? God sends perfect gifts down. Okay? He has a purpose, and He will succeed in that purpose because He is God. Now, one of the purposes is in Psalm 119, 9. How can a man, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. There's a purpose. The word of God will guard our hearts. The word of God will guard our lives. The word of God will guard our marriages. The word of God will guard our integrity. The word of God will guard our character. The word of God will will guard us. How great is that? And he says in verse 10, With my whole heart I seek you, let me not wonder from your commandments. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, one more. The Bible is satisfying. The Bible is satisfying. If if, if you're a Bible reader, if you're a Bible studier, now, if you're a casual reader, this may not happen. I'm going to be very candid with you. But if you're a Bible studier and you just sometimes meditate on the Word of God, you know, let me give you a real theological view of meditation. It's like a cow does. You know, the cow eats that grass, stores it down in one of three stomachs, and eventually belches it back up and chews it all over again. That's meditation. It's chewing on the Word of God. Chewing it a while and then chewing it a while longer, and yep, chewing on it some more. All right? That's what he's talking about. So, the Bible is satisfying. All right? So, look what it says in 1 Peter 2.1. 1 Peter 2.1. So, put away... And I almost didn't throw this in tonight, but I decided I would. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Now, those sound pretty toxic. Those sound toxic. Yeah, you know, here's another old Taylor story. 
This has been probably about eight years ago, I think. It was old enough where Sarah had graduated from high school and didn't go on vacation with us. She was in college. So we were down in Florida with, um, with Becca and John and the family and at this little rental house place down there. And so John, uh, Jennifer and Matt, they were married. Jennifer and Matt uh, were going to stay at our house while we were gone. Sarah was going to be there. Actually, Sarah was supposed to be in the apartment and, you know, over the, over the garage. And they were going to stay in our house. Well, they, they opened the door and were just slammed in the face with this putrid smell. Now, because I firmly believe my children exaggerate, I, I say it can't be that bad. Well, hang on. So they were slammed in the face with this huge odor, and they start looking around, and on the stove was something she had cooked and left. It had only been a couple of days. However, whatever it was went toxic. And guys, I can't tell you how bad it smelled. So they said, Sarah, you know, Middle sister. Yeah, the middle kid is. That baby child has messed up this house and stuck it. How are we supposed to stay in this house when she did it again? Those children are all that way. They're all the baby children. And yeah, 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 yeah. And you didn't discipline them like you disciplined me. And this is the result of all of that. Well, something like that. So I said, all right, look. You know, rinse it down the sink and just put the pan. Don't wash the pan. Just put it outside. So they did. Well, we got home about four days later. And sitting by the back door was the pot. And I picked it up, guys. And there's only just a, a res, res, residual amount. A residual amount. A residual amount in the pan. And I got it about right here, Pat. And it was like, I don't know what she did. But I'm trying to tell you, it was Toxic. It was toxic. The EPA probably wanted to investigate. It's kind of like when you leave that stuff in the refrigerator and it goes bad, okay? Well, that's what this stuff is. Put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. Those are toxic. I'll go ahead and say foods because you'll see why in a moment. Those were toxic foods that spent too long in our refrigerator. And Paul is saying, get rid... I'm sorry, Peter is saying, get rid of them. Put away all the toxic stuff. Now, you're one... Okay, now where are you going with this, Dwayne? Well, just read verse 2. Like a newborn infant, like a newborn baby, long, long for the pure spiritual milk. So, the Bible is milk that supports. Milk that supports. This, this is that pure milk that Peter was talking about it. And we're to long for it. Now, now, a couple of men here in this room, they know me and my eating real well. Okay? I mean, basically, if it'll hold still, I will generally eat it. All right? Now, when I was younger... There was a time, listen, there was a time in my life when, unless it was milk, I didn't want it. Didn't, I didn't long for anything but milk. And I'd let you know I longed for it by going, Well, I want my milk! Peter's saying, that's 
our response, the response of a hungry baby for the milk should be our response for the Word of God. We should long for it. Long for it. Because he says that you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So get rid of the toxic food out of the refrigerator and long for the good milk of God's Word. Then, continue with the food process, food processor, Psalm 19.10 says that, that the Word of God is like honey that satisfies. It's a honey that satisfies. They, the commandments, the statutes of the Lord, are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of gold. And then it's, and sweeter than honey dripping from a honeycomb. So the Word of God so satisfies your sweet tooth in a way that even honey can't. Now, again, I happen to like honey, but can you imagine a honeycomb just dripping with fresh honey? How good that sounds? The author of the psalmist is saying, the Word of God's better than that. It's a sweeter honey. So not only should we desire the milk, we should long for the, the honey that satisfies. And that's the Word of God. Now, come on, let's just be honest. There are times when green beans are fine. And by the way, the Jeremy the pie was great. But there are some times you just need pecan pie. Carrie, don't look at me like that. Judy's out of town. Don't you tell her I had pecan pie. Sometimes you just need something sweet. Well, how about this? The psalmist says that this book is sweeter than the sweetest honeycomb. And if you've got a sweet tooth, turn to the right thing. The Word of God. The Word of God. Sweeter than the sweetest honeycomb. And lastly, it's a bread that sustains us. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, But He answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's a bread that satisfies more than bread. And it is the Word of God. God. So my brothers and sisters, I end the day challenging you this. Get into the Word so the Word can get into you. Work the Word so the Word can work. Become a scholar and a student of the Word of God. And I will make you a promise. I shall make you two promises. Choose not to become a student of the Word. Continue to be an informational reader and not a transformational reader. And you'll have consequences and regrets. I'll make you this promise. Do get into the Word of God so the Word of God can get in you. And you will have less consequences and regrets. I promise you that. I promise you that. This book has the power to change our lives. Get into the Word so the Word can get into us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of sharing today about the Word of God. And Father, if there's ever a time when we need to be a people, be a people of the Word, it is certainly today. Father, our culture is imploding around us. The, the lostness and darkness of sin still pervades the world.
And we need to know the Word. If we're going to be effective, if we're going to be, if we're going to be equipped, if we're going to be uh, mature, then we've got to be into the Word of God. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, let us take this home and apply this tonight. Father, may we tomorrow be people who choose to get into the Word of God so it can get into us. Help us be more than readers. Help us to be doers of the Word. Help us not read for information, but read for transformation. That may continue to change our lives. Thank you for these dear people tonight who came out. Father, I pray it was good to be in the house of the Lord. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen. All right, this is our time of decision. We're going to sing a song. I'll be waiting down front if I can.